So personalized medicine or personalized healthcare is an increasingly important topic in today's society, and even more so when we talk about women's health. As women's health needs vary greatly from female to female across the lifespan, it is crucial that healthcare providers take a personalized approach to our care. This means tailoring treatments and recommendations to each individual's unique circumstances, including their medical history, lifestyle, culture, and personal preference. By doing so, healthcare providers can ensure that women receive the most effective and appropriate care possible, leading to better health outcomes and improved quality of life. This is why this episode will explore the importance of personalized medicine in women's healthcare, discuss some of the challenges and opportunities in implementing this approach, and highlight a case study for a very common issue among women that is often ignored. So join me today for Tailoring Women's Health the role of personalized care. Welcome to eHacker Health, the podcast providing digital and community resources to help women optimize their health. I'm your host, Dr. Kat Andrews. Personalized medicine or personalized healthcare refers to healthcare that is tailored to meet the unique needs and preferences of each individual. Uh, in this case, we're talking about personalized healthcare that is crucial um, in looking at improving women's health outcomes because this approach recognizes that women have different health risks, that we have different health concerns and treatment preferences, and therefore require a personalized care approach that takes into account her specific circumstances. Personalized care can help to improve outcomes by ensuring that women receive the right care at the right time with a focus on prevention, early detection, and effective treatment. So by providing personalized medicine, healthcare providers can help women to achieve all these good outcomes, reduce the risk of the complications associated with any procedure or treatment, and again, improve the overall quality of life. That is why it is essential to prioritize personalized uh, medicine for women or in women's health care to ensure that women receive the best possible care. So this all sounds like a no-brainer, but I want to explain why healthcare isn't as personal as you think and why there is such a thing as personalized medicine. So what would you say if I told you that your healthcare is not personalized? It sounds strange, but it is very true. One of the main reasons why healthcare is not personalized is due to a lack of access to patient data. Now, in many cases, healthcare providers just don't have access to a patient's complete medical history, which can make it difficult to provide personalized care. We live in a very global world now. I know, speaking for myself, I have lived across um, several states within the United States, but I've also 
lived in Canada. I travel quite extensively. I've gotten healthcare all across the United States uh, and Canada. And so I have been pretty proactive about making sure I have copies of my healthcare records, but that doesn't mean that my provider has a copy of that. I have to take an active role in providing that. And that can be one of the barriers, again, of getting personalized medicine because the healthcare provider doesn't have access to, in my case, all of my records unless I provide them. Additionally, healthcare providers are often have to rely on standardized treatment protocols and guidelines, which often don't take into account the unique needs and preferences of an individual patient, such as cultural and heritage, uh, gender, and even dietary practices. And this has been said before, but it also it always bears repeating that women's health is often uh, underfunded and under-researched. So some of these treatment, these standardized treatment protocols and guidelines are based on the research of using men and often white men. Um, and that's not going to always apply to women, particularly women of different cultural and heritage uh, and different ethnicities. Another factor that contributes to the lack of personalized care in medicine is the limited time that a healthcare provider has with each patient. With busy schedules and a high patient volume, obviously it can be very challenging for providers to spend the necessary time getting to know each patient and actually tailoring that care accordingly. And then finally, kind of the elephant in the room is there are systemic issues and beyond the very obvious one within the healthcare industry one of the biggest hindrances to getting personalized medicine is insurance companies insurance policies limit access to certain treatments and medication right having a PPO versus having an HMO versus having a Medicare unfortunately means that your treatment options will vary even for those with the same conditions Thankfully, despite these barriers that contribute to the lack of personalization in healthcare, efforts can still continue to still be made to improve on access to patient data, as well as developing more personalized treatment approach. So let's look at what personalized healthcare is and actually what those benefits are. So personalized women's healthcare is again this medical approach that acknowledges the distinct needs and preferences of each woman. This approach will recognize that women have varying health concerns, which can also again vary by culture, different risk factors, different lifestyles, and thus require customized care that caters to her unique needs. That means personalized health care for women will include a thorough evaluation of a woman's health status, her medical history, lifestyle factors, and then that's coupled with the utilization of advanced diagnostic tools and any treatment options that are tailored to her individual needs. So let's actually do a case study uh, to demonstrate what this will look like. A good example of personalized women's health care is the case of Shauna. 
a 35-year-old woman who was diagnosed with endometriosis. Now, endometriosis is a condition where the tissues that line the uterus grow outside of it, causing pain and discomfort. And this is a condition that a lot of women have to deal with. Now, with Shauna, Shauna has been experiencing severe menstrual cramps and pelvic pain for several years, but her previous doctors have just dismissed her symptoms as normal. Just got to deal with it, girl, get over it. So when Shauna visited a new gynecologist, the doctor actually took a personalized approach to her care. The doctor listened to Shauna's concerns, asked her about her lifestyle, her diet, you know, background, family background particularly, and ordered several tests to confirm the diagnosis of endometriosis. The doctor then worked with Shauna to develop a treatment plan that was tailored to her specific needs and preferences. And this plan included pain management strategies, hormone therapy, and surgery. And throughout this treatment, Shauna received personalized care from her doctor and the healthcare team. They provided emotional support and education about what endometriosis is and how to uh, work through it. They encouraged her to seek out family support, which she did get from her sister and her boyfriend. Help, which all helped her to manage her symptoms and improve her quality of life. So with the personalized care, Shauna was able to regain control of her life and live a healthy and more fulfilling life. So what does this case study tell us? Tells us? It demonstrates the importance of, one, listening to your female patients, um, even if you don't have full access to medical history, because by listening and learning uh, uh, about her, providers can then go ahead and do at least current personalized uh, care, which will improve health outcomes for women. Taking a patient-centered approach to care, healthcare providers can better understand their female patients' needs and provide tailored treatments that are more effective and efficient. So I want to also break down specifically some of the benefits of personalized medicine or personalized care. And there are several of them. First, it improves the accuracy of diagnosis and treatment by taking into account those all the unique factors that contribute to a woman's health status. This means that women receive more accurate diagnosis and targeted treatments that are more effective in addressing her concerns rather than rather than them being kind of more generic and it's not a guessing game. Um, and I say that because honestly, I say, let's be real. Many of us have gone to the doctor's office and said what we think, right? We think we have X, Y, Z because we Googled our symptoms, because we had bad experience with our previous provider. So we felt like we had to come in with a lot of this knowledge. We read a few, you know, WebMD pages. And because some of our providers have a very short time with us, they may likely agree with us because we gave them such specific symptoms based on what we read. So they'll give us a referral, they'll give us medication and send us on our way. With personalized medicine though, even if you give all that information, your provider is likely going to ask some more specific questions about what pertains to you and your current medical status rather than kind of this general information. They want more specifics because that's going to help with making sure that you get a diagnosis that is relevant to you rather than one that is generic. Secondly, 
having personalized care increases efficiency by reducing all the unnecessary tests and procedures uh, that you may not even need and are not even relevant to your care as a woman. This means that women receive, that as women, we're going to receive more efficient and cost effective care that focuses on our specific needs. Because again, playing Dr. Google may give us more knowledge, but it doesn't necessarily mean that we're more accurate when we're trying to do self diagnosis. This is why it does none of us any good to ask for specific tests and procedures, since chances are pretty good that we may be wrong in our assumptions uh, about what's going on and even about what tests we need. Um, Personalized medicine gives us as women and our providers a chance to narrow down what is really going on instead of making wild guesses and having a bunch of tests ordered. that is likely going to cost us a lot more money in our co-pays and a shared bill, right? Finally, personalized care improves patient satisfaction by providing us as women with a more personalized and compassionate approach to healthcare. This means that as women, we can feel more engaged in our healthcare, in the healthcare decisions that need to be made. And Honestly, we are more likely to adhere to the treatment plan, and that's actually for anybody. When you feel that you have been heard, when you feel that there's engagement, uh, we're more likely to adhere to a treatment plan because it's tailored to our needs. So overall, personalized medicine for women's health is an important approach to improving the quality of healthcare for women. By taking into account the unique needs and preferences of each individual woman, this approach can improve accuracy, efficiency, um, patient satisfaction, and it just leads to better health outcomes. Now, as I like to do, I want to dive into kind of a little early, but I'm going to dive into digital resources because I want to I want to give all the pros and then I'm going to con, con, uh, discuss some of the concerns. But with the pros, especially when we're talking about digital resources, right, there are obviously lots of apps, digital products and websites that are out there. Um, and when we're talking about personalized like health apps, for, for example, those were designed specifically for women's needs. Of course, there's we've talked about several of them across this uh, show. The most popular ones being things like Clue, which is a menstrual cycle tracking app. There's also Flow, which does fertility and period tracking. Um, MyFitnessPal is super popular for nutrition and exercise tracking. Um, and then you have some digital health products, right? One of some of the uh, most popular ones are Ava, which is a fertility tracking bracelet. And then like the Kegel trainer, which is the pelvic floor exercise, uh, which for providers, it's very popular among women as well as healthcare providers. Um, but I want to go a little bit more in depth in websites because this is where you're seeing in terms of healthcare, a lot more usage, a lot more utilization um, because personalized medicine that targets women healthcare um, in most recent years has been a, there has been a significant increase in the number of websites that now offer personalized health information and resources specifically for women. These websites are designed to provide women with the tools and the resources that we need to take control of our health and well-being. 
Now, I jokingly mentioned WebMD earlier, and that's because it is one of the most popular websites. It's the first thing to come up in a Google search or a Bing search or whatever your you know, favorite search engine is. WebMD is likely going to come up. And for women specifically, there is the WebMD Women's Health site. There is the Mayo Clinic or the Mayo Clinic, I should say, the Mayo Clinic uh, Women's Health and even Women's Health Magazine has an online page that really uh, provides a lot of personalized health information. And one of the key features of these websites is their ability to tailor the content um, for each user. And this means that women can access information and resources that are relevant to um, her specific health needs and concerns at the time. And what I mean by that, for example, is for a woman who is pregnant she can then access information about things like prenatal care uh, compared to maybe another woman who's going through menopause who may want to find more information about how to manage like hot flashes and uh, trouble with sleeping, managing those symptoms. There's going to be a page specifically for that. Another important aspect of these web pages is the expert advice that is now being offered. Many of these websites have teams of actual medical professionals who provide guidance and support to users. And this can include things like answering questions about specific health concerns to providing tips on healthy living. And this is important uh, because in this day and age, Everybody and their mama kind of throws out their two cents on what they think you should be doing. If you just happen to mention you have a headache, you're going to get 10 different responses on what you should be doing. Everything from, you know, drinking a tea to taking a supplement to taking a shot or whatever it is. And um, for your individual health and for your health and safety, it is really important because you don't know often who's on the other end of that keyboard throwing out this random advice. So being able to get some information, um, even from a website that we know have a team of medical professionals that are at least providing some guidance, does give a little bit more clarity and a little bit more assurance. And then finally, with such of these websites, you know, versus going to like social media, these websites can also provide the community support through a forum, chat rooms, and other online communities. Um, and I mentioned this uh, specifically in the episode where I talked about mental health in the digital age. Uh, and this is really actually helpful for women who are dealing with health issues that may be difficult to discuss with their friends and family. And so by being able to connect with other women who are going through similar experiences, be it endometriosis, menopause, uh, miscarriage, any of those things, being able to find a community through a personalized health website helps women find comfort and support. So... I've talked about a lot of these benefits, um, so I only think it's fair to talk about some things that should be considered and then also some of the challenges that also are associated with being able to have personalized medicine and women's health care, right? And one of those challenges to consider is that it is an emerging field, right? In terms of when we're talking about personalized women's care, unfortunately, it is still kind of an emerging field that aims to, you know, provide this tailored medical approach for women. Um, 
But one of the main challenges is the lack of diversity in clinical trials, which lead to biased results and limited generalization ability of personalized healthcare interventions, right? Because again, when we look at the research and you go back and see that they were using predominantly males to test things or we're only using a small population of females, it's really hard to understand how these, how a particular treatment is going to affect uh, a larger group of women. Another challenge is the need for more robust data privacy and security measures to protect sensitive health information. Additionally, there is the need for like increased awareness and education amongst healthcare providers themselves, and honestly patients too, about the benefits and limitations of uh, personalized medicine and personalized healthcare. And then finally, there is a need for increased investment in research and development, right? And this is specifically to make sure that we can advance the field of personalized medicine for women's health and make it more accessible and affordable to all women because not everybody has a PPO, uh, not everybody has an HMO, in fact, not everybody has insurance. So being able to make things affordable, whether or not you have insurance when it comes to women's health care is really, really important. And addressing some of these uh, potential concerns, one of the biggest ones, of course, being kind of the privacy and data. There, the one of the one of the ways to do that is for companies to understand um, how to protect data from authorized or unauthorized access and breaches, which could compromise patient privacy and lead to legal and ethical issues, right? Because personalized care relies heavily on the collection and analysis of, you know, your patient data. And all of that includes a lot of sensitive information, right? It's your medical history, which can be um, your genetic information and lifestyle habits. So this can include things like your drinking and smoking habits, your sexual behaviors, but also things like HIV status, STD status, how many pregnancies you've had, how many, uh, whether it's abortions or miscarriages or pregnancies or whatever it is, all of that is very sensitive data. And so you don't want any of this stuff to just be easily accessible uh, to any authorized user or even an employer, right? So understand that um, healthcare providers have to be, and, and a lot of them are, I should say that, I should put that, that, uh, that note out there. But again, when it comes to personalized medicine, for the provider as well as for the patient being very protective of this information. Um, and some of the ways that healthcare providers can address this to make sure that patient data and patient privacy is protected and against breach, right, of course, is having the security measures, the encryptions, and the safeguards. So I'll give you an example. I know um, I, with my provider, I tried to take a screenshot one day in the app and it wouldn't let me. And I was frustrated, but I realized now I was trying to share my test results um, via text message um, with my brother. And I was really frustrated by it, but I actually realized that that was for my own safety, that I shouldn't be able to screenshot my test results. Like if I really wanted them, I needed to sign in and get the important, you know, the, the, uh, the permissions and actually download it and wait for the the PDF and all that good jazz. And while it may 
take a little bit longer because obviously a screenshot is faster. It is really for my protection that I can't just randomly take a screenshot and post it online by accident or on purpose. Um, and addressing such challenges head on, acknowledging that these are things that need to be done. Healthcare providers can then ensure patients like myself and like you that personalized care, that these things are in place so that they can provide personalized care and then we could share the data in a way that is protected. I hope that makes sense. Um, and that actually leads me talking about sharing data and making sure things are like good to kind of evidence-based information. I want to discuss just a little bit. Because we live in a digital age, the use of technology in healthcare is not going anywhere. In fact, it's just going to become more increasingly uh, prevalent because digital healthcare products, and again, like I just mentioned, things like uh, mobile apps, but also wearable devices and even telemedicine, right, which many of us use during the pandemic, are revolutionizing the way healthcare is provided. However, with the proliferation of such products, there is always a growing concern about their efficacy, accuracy, and safety. And this is where evidence-based information and regulations kind of come into play. So evidence-based information refers to the use of scientific evidence to support the effectiveness and safety of uh, a product so or even just of information. So it's supporting the effectiveness and safety of digital health products, but also just health information. If you remember, I was talking about, and so I'm sure some of you have heard some of those stories of people who have given out, you know, health information uh, over social media to help people only to find out later it's been quite deadly, but they were adamant about the fact that this was like great. Clearly that's not evidence-based. Um, so it is essential to have things be evidence-based because it ensures that uh, products and information uh, are reliable and provide accurate information to not only healthcare providers, but to you as the user. Without evidence-based information, uh, any of us can be misled into using a product that doesn't, that doesn't work or even could harm us. Um, so specifically when we're talking about like these digital products, that's really important. Um, regulations are also really crucial for digital health products to ensure just the fact that we are protected. Here in the United States, right, we know that it is the uh, FDA, and I believe in Europe it's the UMA um, or EM, EMA, which is the European Medicines Agency. And these big kind of uh, regulatory, yeah, regulatory bodies are responsible for basically approving and monitoring any digital healthcare products. So whether it's a health, uh, um, a heart monitor, a hearing aid, or a fertility tracker, they are responsible for making sure that these things are good to go. Um, they ensure that these products meet certain standards for safety, efficacy, and quality before they can be marketed to the public. So I just wanted to stress that because I think evidence-based information and regulations, they really are essential to personalized medicine and data health products. It's clearly not sexy to talk about. It's, it could be quite boring. 
But on the back end, they make sure that they're safe for us and that we're just getting the most reliable information. Uh, nobody wants to use, for example, a blood pressure medicate, uh, blood pressure monitor and get the wrong information. Right. So we, we like our tech. We like the stuff that we use. We love our apps. We love our websites. We love our tech. So we want them to be accurate. So I want to just stress that point about things being evidence-based. And, and as technology continues to advance, I think it's crucial that we maintain that high standard for digital health products. Even if we're not thinking about it, I hope I put that little bug in your ear now to think about, yeah, I want my app to be as accurate as my heart monitor. There you go. So with all that, having said that, obviously, I'm going to encourage all of you users to take what you've learned today, little bits of it, of anything that you've learned today, and consult with their healthcare professional um, for personalized advice. The information I provided is meant to be, you know, educational and helpful, but it is not a substitute for medical advice at all. Because each individual's health uh, needs and concerns are unique, obviously it is crucial that you actually talk to your own healthcare provider. Um, because a healthcare professional or healthcare provider can actually go and do a thorough evaluation. They can take into account things like pre-existing condition, medication, family history, um, and provide the recommendations that are tailored really to your needs. And really, it's always better to err on the side of caution and seek professional advice when it comes to matters of health versus, you know, not to say that you can't go to, you know, a website, be a little bit of Dr. Google, but you should always seek out professional advice. So if you have any questions or concern about your health, please don't hesitate to reach out to your healthcare provider for that personalized advice. Now, before we go... I want to remind you of a couple of things. One, that personalized medicine in women's health is of the utmost importance as it recognizes that every woman has a unique healthcare need and concerns. And by tailoring healthcare needs to each individual woman, she can then receive the most effective and appropriate treatment for her specific condition. I also think that in today's digital age, there are countless health apps, digital products, websites that are available to help us uh, as individuals take control of our health and wellness. And these tools can provide some great personalized recommendations. They can track our progress. They can offer support and motivation. But I do encourage you to explore and utilize these resources and see which ones actually work for you and which ones don't. Right. So if there's whether it's a fitness tracker, a meditation app, a guide, a website, there's such a wide range of things that are out there. But it's important that it be reputable and that it have some kind of evidence based resources attached to it. Right. Not all apps and websites are created equal. So it is important to kind of do a little research, use a trusted resource. Um, a lot of the links and the things that I share are from uh, our evidence based. So, you know, you when you're using your digital tools, obviously, at the end of the day, you should use what works for you and is really reliable. And then lastly, 
Our healthcare providers play a crucial role in making sure that we can make the best decisions at the end of the day, right? They really do have the expertise and knowledge to assess our unique healthcare needs, understand our lifestyle factors, and develop the treatment plan that really works best for us. Um, and by uh, taking by asking and seeking out kind of personalized medicine approach, healthcare professionals who honestly probably want to be able to do this but could be overwhelmed are really seeking, they're really there to help patients achieve better health outcomes and improve their quality of life. And this could, of course, revolve, can involve anything from medications to therapies to lifestyle changes. So, um, I, I, this advice goes for myself. It really is hard, but it really is probably best for us to stop using Google to self-diagnose and instead talk with a healthcare provider. I think it's great for us to be more well-informed. That is absolutely a great thing to understand our condition. Um, but rather than self-diagnosing, if we feel like we can't talk to a provider that they're not listening to us, the advice I always tell people is if you feel like your healthcare provider, nurse, doctor, you know, occupational therapist, mental health provider, whoever it is, isn't listening to you, then it is worth the time and effort to find a new provider because your health and well-being are worth having somebody who's going to listen to you. And so with that, I will say... Have a good one. Until next time, take care.